Welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. It is Thursday, and we have a, a great guest. Um, we have titled this Jenna Bucosideri, from Youth Center Kid to Youth Center Board Member, The Untold Story. <laughs> Welcome, Jenna, to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, the girls are at school right now, so you had a few minutes to, to come in and talk to us, and um, we've got a heavy amount of questions I want to ask you about your career, because um, I have known you since uh, you were a little girl, and uh, obviously you're uh, a wife, a mother, a teacher, and we're, we're going to find out all about that. So how about we start off with you just giving us uh, the uh, the Jenna Bucosideria bio okie doke um so i am from north andover i grew up here out on chestnut street i went to franklin school there were five kids in my family i'm the second of five um probably the loudest i would say um and i went through the school system um a little involvement with the youth center but there wasn't really much youth center at the time um And then I went through high school, graduated North Andover High School, had an incredible experience. Um, I got really close with a lot of teachers. I'm still in touch with some of the teachers. I loved my education in North Andover. I went to Providence College after that. I got my bachelor's in social work. I left Providence and um, joined AmeriCorps where I volunteered for two years in Lawrence, it happened to be an inner city school where I spent the day with the kids. And in the evenings, I would do study hour with them and coach their teams. And during that time, I got my master's in education. Um, So after those two years and my master's degree, I decided I did want to be a teacher. And I began teaching in Lawrence. And I taught for 12 years in Lawrence, um, mostly third and fourth grade. I looped back and forth. And my last couple of years, I taught um, intervention math intervention for the full elementary school. Um, I had kids and my husband was starting a new business and it was kind of a time where we had to decide what were we going to do because he was going to be gone a lot. He's gone about 12 or 13 hours a day and we decided we wanted someone to be home with the kids no matter what the cost was. So we kind of made a really, really tight budget Line by line, we figured out exactly what we would be able to do for me to stay home, and we just made it work. So for these five years that we allotted, I'm home, I'm playing, I'm reading, I'm wandering, I'm exploring, and I'm trying to um, kind of give them the best childhood I can, and I'm taking classes, you know, at night um, online to keep up my education so that I can go back and I'll go back to teaching in two years. Awesome. Yeah. And we've had the pleasure of working with the entire Buco family, all five kids, um, and all five were very different, but very involved with us here at the Youth Center. I see your mother a lot. She's out in the playground with your daughters as well as Leah's kids mm-hmm. too. And uh, your mother hasn't aged a bit. She's yeah. still the most, um, her and uh, Paul Tanglis's mother, they're just, uh, they defy age and they, uh, run around the park um mr tangles takes a nap on the bench but uh you know basically uh she's she's amazing your father um he's still his grumpy self when i see him down at uh, at macaloons but he speaks to be good too so we've had a very close relationship you did minimize a little bit your relationship with the youth center because you were actively involved here and but again, i thought that was coming up so yeah. I, I loved it okay um 
you know, obviously it was before the youth center, um, but as a middle school kid, you were involved here um, more for the activity-based stuff. And then as a high school kid, you um, got involved with a lot of our leadership programs. So can you talk a little bit about, because you were our speaker at Youth Appreciation Day, which we're going to talk about shortly, but um, you um, you talked pretty eloquently about what it was like before there was this big building here that everybody's accustomed to being here forever. So um, when I was a junior... I started working at what would become the youth center. Prior to that, I had worked with Rick in the summer program. And before that, I worked for the town summer program before Rick kind of took it over. So all through high school, I was working with Rick and I came to just adore him. Um, He was like my mentor. He was the one I talked to about everything. He guided me. He helped me through a lot of bad decisions I probably would have made. And I started doing the summer program, which was really different than it is now. It was basically just at Drummond um, when I was with you. Um, Basically just at Drummond. And there were, I don't even think there could have been 20 counselors. Um, But we were all best buds. We had the most fun. We didn't do any of the training that you guys do now. It was really just kind of kids playing with little kids. It was a different time, which is funny to say because it was only 20 years ago. But it was the best job you could have asked for in the entire world. And when I finished that, I would stay here um, and help out Rick or kind of bum around and watch the basketball that was going on at the youth center. Um, I'm trying to remember it all in the correct order. And then as a junior and senior, I started working during the school year. And I worked in, initially I worked in the old thrift shop, the second floor of the old thrift shop. So that's where the building used to be with the original real red barn. So we would go up the rickety stairs and at the top, I think there was a kitchen, (laughs) right? Yeah, there was. And it was kind of like more of a house, um, little offices, and it was the coolest, most close-knit community because Rick was there and Kelly Crimmins, who I adored, um, and Tally Abernathy was there. And then... um, I'm trying to think of people that came in and out. Kristen. Yeah. Um, Broussard. Yeah. And um, who else am I missing? The names will come back to me. But it was kind of like, this is going to sound like a weird way to explain it, but it was such a small group of people that were working there at the time. But your reach was so far because I think you, Rick, had such a good grasp on who needed you. Um, and I don't know how, because I don't think you had the same connections with the school that you have now where people were kind of sharing information so openly, but you somehow were able to reach all the kids that, you know, I didn't even know at the time needed you. Um, and it was like this small nucleus and, and you had the farthest reaching arms and you had groups going all the time. I don't know that you could have ever slept, to be honest, you were doing so much back then. Um, So we were in there, and then you finally got the clearance to open the youth center. So that building took a long time. So then we moved, and we were in the little, um, We were in the construction trailer. In the trailer, and that was close quarters. And I was working with you every day, um, I think, because I can still remember I was reading. It was when Harry Potter came out, and I remember sitting in my car trying to finish the last chapter of a book, and I knew I had to be at work, and I'm like, oh, God, Rick's going to scream at me. This isn't going to be a valuable excuse. Um, but that was a small trailer. But you still did all the same stuff. I remember like so many turkeys coming in around Thanksgiving and all the stuff. You still had all the same giving going on. 
Um, and I honestly don't know how you did it then because we didn't have the internet like we do now. Right. You must have been on the phone all the time. Sure. It must have been exhausting. <laughs> it was amazing, though. It was the best job of my life. Yeah, and obviously you were involved with uh, doing the things you just talked about and obviously youth council, but one of my best memories is that year. We were actually in the trailer for um, 11 months, and uh, it was unbelievable in the wintertime where we actually had a shovel to actually get into the park <laughs> to get in there. But you worked after school, and it was pretty funny. I think Kristen Breen was there also, and we did talk about every issue that you personally had at the high school uh, with boys, family, or whatever, and it was some great memories, and obviously you gave a lot back. And uh, it was sad because you guys, your crew, which I was very close with your crew, were all leaving when the building was being opened because mm -hmm. you were heading off to the next chapter yeah. in college. So tell me a little bit about your decision to go to Providence. What was that all like? Um, I... I had it narrowed down to two schools. I was either going to go to Fordham or Providence. Um, and at the last minute, I just needed to be closer to home. And Providence to me is the most amazing college in the world. It was the best four years of my life. Um, I loved that it was small, but it was in what I think is one of the coolest cities. And it did remind me of North Andover because it was so small that you actually recognized all the faces. And I had those same kinds of relationships with the teachers. Um, where they all knew you and they knew it was important to you. And I got really involved in volunteering because I think you ignited that in me when I was in North Andover. And so I was doing soup kitchens when I was in Providence and I worked um, for the Friars Club, which is a club that just does mostly volunteering all over um, Providence in the campus. Um, I think I taught CCD when I was there. Gosh, it all seems so long ago. Yeah. But I think while I was here in North Andover, you made me think that giving back was the best way to make myself happy and I've always carried that with me. You talked eloquently about that you really appreciate the North End of a school system. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about our relationship with the school department on this podcast, but can you talk a little bit about what it was like uh, in the late 90s being a student in North End of a high school? And what were some of your connections actually at the high school? Clubs, sports, what did you actually involve yourself with? I think um, to... Um, it was probably a fault of mine, but I was involved in just about everything. Um, and I think that's what I talked about at the youth center. Um, I, I did youth council, health council, president's council. I was the class president, um, student council, peer ministry. I was teaching confirmation. Um, anytime there was a council, I signed up to be on it because I thought, like, this is the best way for me to, you know, do as much good as I possibly can. Um, and, of course, everyone's always telling you, you know, you have to have all those things listed to get into college. Um, and I think what I said when I was back at your um, Youth Appreciation Day was I realized that being a member of a thousand committees doesn't necessarily make you committed and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing the most good you can do. Um, I realize now that I'm 38 with two girls, um, I look really closely at what I want to do and what I can do the best and I try to make a difference that way. And sometimes I find for myself, and I'll say this to my daughters, like sometimes helping someone is as simple as just giving a compliment to someone who you see is really sad or doesn't seem to fit in or could just use something to lift up their day. Um, a lot of times that's overlooked and you see the people that are the president of a committee and you think, wow, they're really doing so much. 
but sometimes you need to give to someone's soul. And I think I'm kind of moving back and forth and trying to figure out how I can be the best mom now and also um, give back. And for me, a lot of the giving back is like I'm just trying to help people have a better day right now. Absolutely. And we saw those first uh, traits of you as obviously a high school kid and how empathetic you were to others and how you always were involved with all of our community service projects and giving projects. Um, you will never be known athletically as a Michael <laughs> Jordan, uh, but uh, you actually played a little sports at the high school. So talk a little bit about that. I did. Um, thankfully, Peter Breen was my basketball coach from an early age. And for soccer, when I was young, I had Bruce Butterfield yeah. and Mr. Jensen. Um, they were my coaches and I grew up with them because my parents always made it a point to have us be involved in something. And I was never great at a sport, but I didn't know it. I just kind of kept getting coaches awards and didn't realize that maybe it was because I wasn't very good at anything. <laughs> um, but I love being part of a team. And I think even if my part on a team was that I was cheering for other people, I was part of something. And I think that's something that all kids should have, um, the opportunity to be part of something. So I did do soccer freshman and sophomore year of high school and then I decided all my friends were playing field hockey so why don't I switch and thankfully um, Mrs. Fryermuth who is still at the high school sure is. Um, was the coach and she was actually like my um, North Andover high school go-to that I would talk to about all my problems and she probably wanted to kill me most of the time and then when I was out of school I would go to you but um, so Miss Fry was my coach for field hockey, and I had the best last two years. I only played basketball freshman year. Um, let's be honest; it just wasn't my strength. Yeah, you <laughs> you definitely you definitely did not win the MVP of those teams, but you were a valuable member of those teams, and I thought you got some great skills from that. <laughs> After graduating Providence, it mm -hmm. was no shock to me that you were going to go into education and all the stuff you did down at Providence. I was impressed with all the stuff you did in the Providence community and obviously Providence College community. Uh, you got involved with teaching, and uh, one of my best things was how many of my former kids actually ended up teaching at the Gilmette School in mm -hmm. Lawrence, and for Principal Lori Butterfield, yes. who was a YC kid, one of the first YC mm -hmm. kids, and obviously her father helped me start the Teen Co. program years ago. So take me through your, your professional career of teaching in Lawrence. Different okay. population of kids, different needs. What Very was that all different. like? Um, so my first two years, I was at an all-boys um, middle school. School. And Bellasini Academy. Right? I loved that. Um, I loved watching the boys um, because what they do is they really hold them to high standards there. And they're in school all day, study hours at night. You have to play a sport or an activity every season. And they just really try to give them all the opportunities that a lot of the kids in Lawrence don't have. I loved that. Um, I didn't stay because that was my AmeriCorps placement. So then after that, I went into public schools and I worked for Lori Butterfield at the Gilmette for my entire career so far in Lawrence. Um, and I adored her. She loves, loves, loves the children in her school more than any principal you have ever met. Um, she's always excited about a new idea. The beginning of the school year for her is like Christmas. She's just an amazing person to work under. And I loved teaching in Lawrence. And I miss it so much. And when this time of year comes around and school's starting, I miss it so, so much, but I kind of had to make the decision. I was working so hard as a teacher and doing so much work at night and preparing because I felt like I wanted to be an incredible teacher. 
But when I had kids, I just knew I, I couldn't do both. And a lot of people are really good at doing both, but I'm not. Um, and I knew I wanted to try to be an incredible mom. So I try, and I'm not the best mom in the world, but I try to be an incredible mom. And I'm trying right now to just be the best teacher I can to those kids that are in my house. Um, and something neat happened last night. I went to my daughter's open house at Thompson. Yeah. Um, and she's in first grade with Mrs. Rodolski. And I kind of had the best night of my life because if you could imagine a teacher saying the exact words that you would want to hear, um, she just talked about how important it is for them to be outside and play and keep reading to your kids even if they can read. And I don't want them to stress. I want them to enjoy learning. They're kids. It's supposed to be fun. And I feel like knowing that my daughter is in the hands of someone who's such a great teacher um, I just feel like everything's coming full circle because I feel like I was able to do that for kids. Yeah, Mrs. Rodelsky is one of the shining stars we have in our school system. Um, we're fortunate to be very close with their family. Um, Pete is on our board and, and, and other things. So um, what's impressive to me is over all my years, I've had 30 kids go on to teach in the city of Lawrence. And obviously, I have a passion for the city mm. of Lawrence for a variety of reasons. Um, and uh, our most recent one, we have Michaela Tetrold and Molly Malandrino, actually yes. guidance counselors at Lawrence High now. So it's impressive. Um, what I also like is a lot of those um, people just would choose to really teach in Lawrence. Yeah. And they love love what's working out with the Lawrence kids. Uh, last year, uh, we spent some time, and we every year we spend some time trying to figure out who we want to speak at Youth Appreciation Day. Um, and Demi and I and uh, others, uh, it was a no-brainer to say, let's, let's bring back someone that, that kind of knows what our mission is um, and obviously someone who's now on our board member. What was it like being asked to be at Youth Appreciation Day? And how, did you, how do you think your speech went? I think it went pretty well. <laughs> um, everyone laughs when I say it, but I was truly so honored that you asked me. It meant so much to me because I'm not an award winner. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not... I'm not doing anything fantastic. I'm just kind of a mom raising kids. Um, and it made me feel so good that you thought that that was important enough to share. Um, I loved it because the kids were so respectful. They were so kind. Still to this day, if I see someone, they'll come up and they'll maybe say a comment about the speech. And I just think that says so much about the type of kids that are at the youth center. Um, I think that um, I didn't know what I would talk about when I came because I didn't think I had any big news to share. But I felt like I wanted to walk away and leave them with the message that you can do good with whatever you have. You don't have to have a lot of money and you don't have to have a lot of time and you don't have to be on every committee. You can give to someone or something every single day with whatever you have. Um, and I hope that's what they left with. Yeah, they definitely did. The kids were uh, very inspired by your speech. Uh, I had a, I had a little girl who I'd never met before. She was a, a small sixth grade girl who came up to me and she said um, that listening to Miss Sideri talk um, made her want to be more involved with the community and wanted to someday follow in her footsteps. So I think it was a pretty powerful. Um, you were pretty active too. You, you couldn't sit still. You're moving around with the microphone and it, it was uh, one of the best. We've had great guest speakers, but it was definitely one of the best guest speakers we've had. So let me, um, let me uh, do a little thing that we call the lightning round. So okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions and you got to answer quickly. And kind of the first word that comes to your, um, uh, 
uh, mind, if you mind. Okay. Favorite teacher at North Andover High School. Oh my gosh, that is so it, hard. It's supposed to be a fast <laughs> I answer. I know. Jenna. I know. I don't know. How could I ever pick a favorite teacher? Nice answer. <laughs> what was um, maybe your favorite subject at North Andover High School? Oh boy, Rick, I'm failing this lightning round. Oh no, this is easy. American thought. Um, I don't know if they have it anymore or what they call it now, but when that hybrid course, junior yeah. year of um, English and history, I nice. loved it. It's a good group. Um, favorite youth council memory? Um, the sleepover. We had a sleepover up at Osgood Hill, and um, it was like haunted for sure. And <laughs> the place was falling apart, but we thought we were the, the hottest tickets in town because we got to have a sleepover on a school night. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Best friends in high school. Oh, I have such good friends. Kristen Breen and Heather Mennery um, are two of my closest still. And Katie Levis and Kelly McMonagall and Renee Broussard and Jill Burke. Um, but you know what's interesting is now I have so many friends from high school that were even in my grade that have come back to town that weren't my best friends. And Absolutely. now I'm very close to them. So that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a question oh, that lots of people want to know. Okay. Did you really date Coach Paul Tanglis in high school? It's true. We did. Um, and we dated for a while, and I still think he is such an amazing, amazing guy, and the town is so lucky to have him. We will make sure he listens to this oh, podcast. Great. <laughs> then. Um, what sport, when you weren't the greatest athlete, mm. what do you think you excelled most on in the athletic field? Do you know what? In my old age now, I know I should have um, just been a runner and just tried not to place, and that would have been my sport. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so fast forward, um, you were raising uh, the two girls. Um, Anthony was doing some work here at the youth center with me, doing some speaking engagements. Uh, we think the world of Anthony. Um, and I actually said to you, you know, it's time for you to think about getting more back involved with the community. And throughout the idea of you applying to get on the youth center board of directors, um, the actual North End of Youth and Recreation Services board, and uh, you applied, and the selectmen selected you. What was your whole thought process of that, and what's that experience like being on the board? I love being on the board so much. Um, and the number one reason is because I had no idea you guys were doing so much because my kids are at that young age where we're not involved yet, and I just love going to every meeting and meeting the staff members and finding out all the different activities you're doing and going to the auction and seeing how many people in this town care so much about the youth center that they're willing to give so much to it. Um, but mostly I wanted to be on it because I feel like these are my years that I'm home with the girls and I want to be able to give back in any way that I can. And I thought or hoped that this would be a way I could help out. I haven't contributed that much because I'm a little scared to talk in that crowd. <laughs> no, you, uh, you have contributed a lot. And as we've talked offline, my goal is to eventually get more people that have actually yeah. grown up at the youth center. I love my board of directors, um, people that are associated with us and do tremendous work. Uh, but there's something to be said that, you know, having board members that actually live the experience mm -hmm. here is, is very important as we go on to the next chapter of what we're trying to do over the next 10 years on that. So um, one of the things we talk about in North Andover a lot is the community. And for me, the community has changed drastically since 1988 in a good way. We talk a lot about, um, you know, different uh, changes in race, economics, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things that I'm always impressed with is this, this community always steps up and rallies mm -hmm. around, whether it even be last year's gas crisis, but even little things that people don't know, fundraisers for kids that are sick, et cetera. 
What's it like living back in North Andover? I mean, you're the Bucos are a, a, a staple in, in North Andover, but what's it like living in North Andover? Why did you and Anthony choose to come back here and, and live? And what is the best thing about living here from a relationship standpoint? Um, I'm someone who really likes knowing a face in the crowd. And I feel like for my daughters, um, I want them to always feel comfortable. And especially when they're young and going to school and going to soccer, I love being able to bring them someplace and know a friendly face. Um, and that happens most of the time when we go somewhere because it's such a friendly town. And when you meet someone, um, or even if you don't meet them, there are so many parents that I see either at one of your shows on the common or always playing at Drummond or down at Stevie's Pond and you see them enough that you know, hey, we're in this together um, and everyone's kind. There are no parents in this town that I've found um, that make you feel uncomfortable or make you feel different and I feel like every school um, has its own group that loves its school the most. So I, I just feel like there's no bad that I've seen with my young kids in this town. Everyone loves their school and everyone loves their neighborhood. Um, I don't know. I, it's just, it really is the type of community you want to raise kids in. My street has kids out every single day when we come home from school and they just go out and play. And it's really out of a storybook. Do you feel you're still a townie? Do you, are, are you a townie? <laughs> I think I'm a townie by default and I never planned to be one. And I, I don't think I ever would have thought that I would move back to North Andover, but um, it is nice to have my mom and dad close by. Absolutely, <laughs> and you, you have your whole family that's that's fairly close, and obviously we, we love seeing the Bucos all around town, and and, uh, and Anthony and Anthony's business is going really well. I What do I got to wait six months to get a haircut for him? <laughs> you don't. He's opening um, a bigger business at either in November or December in the mills. So you don't have to wait nice. anymore. All right. Because I would like to get pushed <laughs> up on the waiting list for that if I could. A um, couple of things. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a couple of seconds here. But we're talking about uh, the celebration. Uh, 2020 will be the 20th year anniversary mm -hmm. of the opening of the building, which makes me obviously feel old but it's got to make you feel old because you worked here before the yeah. building was here um and it'll be the 32nd year that this department actually existed uh, obviously i started out as a one-person operation in 1988 this is your 32nd it'll be my 32nd wow, year Rick. and i only look 38 right you so, do thanks um we're thinking about having a big shindig next year and one of the things we're hoping to do is to bring back all the people like you that have grown up in the program and have my summer fun staff maybe run like a summer fun day while all the parents get to hang out at the picnic tables and you know have a cookout and stuff like that um, so many of your friends as well as other kids have moved back here as adults raising families what do you think that idea uh, you I guys think come? it's the best idea <laughs> I, I want Dave Brown to organize the whole thing he's he's still the best summer <laughs> fun worker yeah, at 40 years he old because he's still a gym teacher and I think you should be able to get um, summer fun alumni stickers that everyone can put on their car. So that's yeah, a thought. That's actually a great idea. We'll have to talk about that too. So that's one thing we're definitely thinking about. And obviously uh, in the year 2022, we're looking at doing some expansion here at the mm -hmm. center. So we're looking to even add more things than what we're doing right now. And obviously uh, hoping you're going to be part of that whole process. Yeah. And um, 
Pete Breen will still be around. Of he's course. 90 years old, but he he's still... He blows me away every he's meeting. He's still on our board of directors, and he's been on the board of directors since 1990. And um, his claim to fame was helping build this building in 2000. So he's one of the lead people involved yeah. with the renovation. It's probably going to be the last project he's involved in before he moves to Maine uh, permanently. But those are some of the things we're definitely looking at that. Let me give you the final word. We always give our guests the final word. Uh, you're pretty eloquent about this. Um, you know, what would you like to say to the residents, the parents that listen to this, some of your former, you know, your friends that are going to listen to this? What do you have to say about North Andover in general, the youth center? What's your final word? I think my final word's about you because a lot of people cash it in when they get older. And there are not many teachers that are there for 32 years and they're still grinding. And you are here so early every morning and so late. And you just look the same to me, Rick, and you care the same amount. And that means a lot. So, Well, thank you for that. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, passion is huge with us here. And I guess it does start with me. But, um, you know, it's been a wonderful ride for me as, you know, you think and Paul Tangles think I'm never leaving here. But at some point in time, it will be time to pass the torch. But we still got a lot of work to do. And it's going to be great working with you and all the other former kids that grew up here, the now adults, um, and it's great. We have people that volunteer here, the former kids. We have people that don't live in, in, in the state who text us and say, hey, glad you're still there and <laughs> contribute to our annual fund Aww, and stuff like that, which is really good. So we've built something really special here. Um, okay. You know, they had a slogan in, in 1999 when we were building it, and it said, you know, if you build it, they will come, and I think we've actually accomplished that. So I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, giving us the untold me. story of Jenna Bucosideri. <laughs> have a good day. We're going to uh, wrap up this podcast. Uh, we do have, um, we're trying to do this every week. we got some uh, great ones coming up. we got Tyler Nelson, who's going to come in and talk a little about resiliency and the athletic aspect of things. And uh, really looking forward to our, our first Friday in October. We're bringing in the, the conversation on autism with Nick Savaris, uh, Lauren Sanford, and uh, Lauren Del Paggio Perry. Um, who will be coming in to talk about the parents' perspective, um, the organizational perspective from Nick, as well as Lauren's perspective of working one-on-one with autistic kids. So we're excited about that. Anybody that has subjects they would like us to talk about, a big shout-out to Connor Mean and Caitlin after last Friday's um, podcast. They initiated their hashtag Nights Care project, and uh, it's blowing up at the high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, Good shout out to those guys there and everybody up at the high school doing some work. So once again, thank you for coming on the podcast, Jenner. And as we always say at the end, too much passion is never enough passion.